Well, bless you. Bless you guys. Why well, it is so good to be here in West Island. <laughs> we've uh, we've been back for we've been back in New Zealand now for for six months, and uh, I don't want to so much go into the journey of of why we came back and how we came back, and but uh, we've been back for we came back landed on the second of February uh, this year and um, had a horrible transition. <laughs> Not, was not enjoying being back for a while, and uh, but the Lord, the Lord told us to to come back, and is He's very clear to us. He spoke to very clearly through a dream, and uh, it, about coming back, and also the the day after the dream, after He spoke to me audibly about coming back uh, to New Zealand to to live. Um, I I'm sitting on the bed one morning. My wife was my wife had gone to the gym. It's a good place, right? Wife's at the gym. I'm sitting on the bed. <laughs> <And> <laughs> And she's at, the, she's at the gym and I'm sitting on the bed and my daughter was getting ready to go to her, her program uh, for the day. And my daughter is nonverbal and uh, she can say mama and papa and she just kind of ha has her own language. And she's just rabbiting away one morning and just talking her own language. And I have this thought and I thought, I wonder if Siri can understand her. So I pulled out my phone for Siri and dictated, uh, speak, you know, dictated her speaking to Siri. And uh, I pulled out my phone and I... I look at it to see what it said, and the first sentence was, Oh God, oh God, oh God. And the second sentence was, Can I go home? <laughs> and so I just, I just got hope that Siri can be saved. <laughs> so it was the part of our, of our journey of, of coming back, and we came back, and we had, the Lord told us to do nothing for four months, and I mean, that was a, it was a really hard four months, and we had a, uh, we had a lot of trials in those four months, and I have this Tyler that comes into our house, and and I didn't, I don't know very much about him, but on the last day of the tiling job, he walks into the house one morning, and it's kind of feeling a little dark, you know, feeling a little like, you know, should I just go and get a job, you know? Should I go? So I, I would, I've been offered three jobs, three business jobs in that four months, and I'm thinking, gosh, I'm running down money. I may have to just just go and sell real estate or something, you know. And uh, this Tyler walks into the house and he says to me, I got a word for you. He said, the Lord spoke to me last night and asked me to give you a message. And I didn't really want to hear it. <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> and he says, the Lord says, the Lord says to you, if revival is not your responsibility, then whose responsibility is it? And I tell you, I just about hit the floor under the glory. It felt like somebody took a six inch, like the Lord took a six inch, six foot sword and slid it right through my heart not not in a painful way but in a surgical way and he just he just cut something out of me that was that just some grief that was sitting there and he just that thing came out of me just like that and I sat there and I I thought oh gosh I don't know that I want to hear that word you know like I but because it was a word it was a word I knew because before I left 16 years ago I had a prophetic word over a prophetic, a strong prophetic voice in my life that said that New Zealand will not see revival until you return. And I don't like to tell people that word because revival is not about me. It's you know, and I'd hate people to think that it's contingent upon it's contingent upon me. But I knew that word was was so ripe and so rich in my heart that it's also just as naive for me to say that it's got nothing to do with me. And uh, so, so we, I, I'm sitting there, and the Tyler, 
the Tyler left and I kind of thanked him for the word and uh, he, he left the house and I and I said God I said I just surrender afresh I don't want to do real estate I just want to I just want to do what you have for my life I just I want to see revival and I, I want to talk a little bit about I want to talk a little bit about revival just for a minute because I, I want you to understand what I mean by revival. If you think revival means an extended meeting every night of the week, I don't want revival right? because I want my family. And, and, if, and if you think that revival means you've got to line up to get into church 12 hours a day every day just to get into a meeting, I've got better things to do. I'd rather go fishing than line up, you know. That that to me is not revival. Revival is not an extended meeting and it's not, you know, nightly meetings of every night of the week for years on end because that's not sustainable. But what is sustainable is me lighting my heart on fire and deciding that as for me and my house, we're going to have revival. Because revival is an inside job. It happens right here. It's about putting myself on fire and cultivating the fire that lives inside me and saying, well, as for me, my house, this is revival. I'm not moving. And I believe that the Lord is looking for a generation that would rise up and would say, the absence of the miracle doesn't define the nature of the Father. That the, I believe that the God's looking for a generation that would have their eyes so fixed on Jesus, that would be so enamored in Jesus, that it would be a Jesus generation, it would be a Jesus revival of just people that are obsessed by Jesus, just completely obsessed by Jesus. And, and later, later that afternoon, I'm sitting there after the Tyler had left, he had finished his job and, and he left and I, I'm sitting there, I'm in a kind of a bit of a bit of a daze over the word, you know, like I still feel like I was walking around with the sword hanging out of me. And I, and I said, God, I said, well, I, I don't know. I know revival is my responsibility. And when, when I say my responsibility, what I mean by that is it's our responsibility, right? And I think for too long, the church has made revival about the sovereignty of God or the next generation. And we miss it because we push off something for tomorrow that we can have today or we're waiting for God to move and he said you move and uh, so I'm sitting there I'm sitting on the couch and I'm feeling a little sorry for myself with the sword hanging out of me trying to work out what to do and I said God I said what do I do what what's my next step if I'm not going to do real estate you know what's my next step and the Lord said to me as clear as anything he said I want you to release the healers I want you to release the healers. And I'm like, God, I don't know any in this country. <laughs> I mean, I was in a little bad, dark place, you know. I'm like, I'm going to have a little pity party. I'm like, God, I don't know any in this country, you know. It's like, this country's kind of like, I said, I'm going to a few churches and they're all dead. You know, I said, I can't find any, any hungry church anywhere that I've looked. And he said, I don't want you to look for a hungry church. He said, I want you to look for a hungry people. And I said, well, God, I don't know any, I, you know, I know, I know two hungry people. And he said, that's all I need. He said, you gather those two and we'll change the nation. So I thought, okay, well, I'll write to them. So I, I wrote to those two friends and the two, two, uh, one's a truck driver and the other one, I don't even know what he does. And, and, uh, and I wrote to them and I said, hey, uh, I just really feel like the, the Lord said to me that, that I'm to gather you and uh, so you know how about we sit on my couch and I'll cook meat and we'll talk Jesus and uh, we're going to strategize of how the three of us can take this nation I said because it don't because you know how many of you know God's not looking for a majority he's just looking for one 
that believes that he is who he says he is. And uh, so I, I wrote to these two guys and said, hey, how about it? You know, how about come to my house? And, we'll, you know, and I said, but if you've, got, if you've got friends that, you know, like really burn, like really burn. I don't want any lukewarm people in my house. I just want some on fire people. If you've got some on fire friends that just burn to see healing revival in this nation, you can invite them too. But just have them email me because I only got room for like 12 on my couch. So just, you know, I think we could do 12. I, th I actually said, like, if we had 12, if we can take the nation with three, imagine how fast we could take it with 12. <laughs> like, I mean, we can take it pretty quick with 12, you know. I said, but I need you to email. They need to email me first because I need to know how many are coming. And, uh, well, as of, uh, as of yesterday, I had 980 people email me. <laughs> <laughs> this thing's got out of control. It's like... Oh, there are some hungry people in this nation. I'm still looking for a hungry church, but I found some hungry people. And uh, so I put on an event uh, just a couple of weeks ago. I thought, well, I, you know, they're not going to fit in my house. So I hired a church and I put on this event thinking, oh, well, hopefully, uh, you, know, you know, we'll see if they're real or not. You know, hopefully 50 would come. You know, I put on, I charged them because I wanted to see that they're real. <laughs> you know, I didn't, if it made it free, they'd come. But it's like, you know, sometimes free people just... And for the freebie, you know, I'm, like, I'm going to charge them. They put their money where their mouth is. So I, I, I charged them to come and, and put this event on. And, uh, and, it, and it, uh, it, filled, it filled out in a few days at 450 people with 100 on a wait list trying to get in. And uh, so we're just, we're go, I'm just going after revival. I'm going after wanting to see Jesus get what he paid for. Because I believe he went through way too much for us just to do church. And I tell you, the enemy has overplayed his hand in the season of COVID. He has isolated us. He has pulled us apart. He has divided us. And he has so overplayed his hand that out of it is just this arising of some really hungry people that are like, enough is enough. Enough is enough that we want, we want revival. We're going to get revival at all costs. We're just going to burn at all costs. And, and uh, that's what I'm involved in and just loving every moment of it. I have no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> I'm just putting, I'm trying to, put, like, as fast. I put on another event uh, last, I think it was last Tuesday, I put it on and I opened the registrations for it at 8 a.m. It could only seat 160, this one, and it was filled by 4 o'clock. I mean, the people are just flocking. They are just running. They are just running to a gathering to be filled by Jesus because they want to know not just whose they are, but who they are. And, uh, and they're after that revival. And anyway, so we, had, uh, so we, did, this, we did this meeting. And I want to read this, this testimony. This is kind of pretty crazy. You guys are Australians. So for, you know, if you don't get it, I'll summarize it in a couple of words at the end. Well, that didn't sound right, did it? didn't mean it quite like that. <laughs> is, there, is there a doctor in the house? Is there a doctor here? You'd probably be better. Is there a doctor here? I need, I need someone with some intelligence to read this because there's words in here I don't understand. <laughs> it says, uh, I was, I'm going to pronounce half of this wrong. I was diagnosed with a rare autoimmune condition called lichen cirrhosis. Nearly two and a half years ago, it's a condition that affects skin elasticity and condition significantly that causes a lot of architectural anatomy of the aneogenital area, including atrophy. 
It limits activities such as bike riding and marital intimacy, and it causes tears and lesions and general soreness. I had some loss of my architectural anatomy, which caused me to despair, and a loss of hope for marriage, and brought about many questions as to whether I could honestly enter a marriage. At the gathering, I called it a gathering because I'm sick of conferences. I'm sick of going to a conference where we come and get our ears tickled and we walk out unchanged, right? So I called it a gathering because I'm after family. At the gathering on Saturday, you invited people to stand who had had medical conditions that medicine can do nothing for, so I stood up. I'd been uncomfortable sitting due to the condition, and when my friend next to me prayed, the soreness completely left. The next day gave me hope that I may have been healed, and on Monday I gave myself a visual check, which I'm required to do medically for health checks, but hate doing, and I noticed that my anatomical architecture had been restored. It is a creative miracle because this is medically impossible. The parts that have been destroyed by the disease are all back. <laughs> if you didn't understand what that means, she got a new vagina. <laughs> Man, I just love Jesus. I, I just love Jesus and the things that we're seeing. I was in Australia just a week ago, uh, two weeks ago in Sydney, New South Wales area. We saw a man in um, Gosford who had had a detached a retina uh, um, from, his, from his eye, failed surgery, blind in one eye. Boom, opens up, his eye opens up just, just like that, fully, fully restored. In Newcastle, uh, Saturday two weeks ago, uh, we had a special needs girl, was, her name was uh, Catalina, the sisters Catalina and Angelina, and, uh, and Catalina had uh, three, surg uh, three cysts on her eye, needed to be all surgically removed, she'd been to the doctor, got a surgical um, referral, she's seen the surgeon, surgeon's getting prepared to uh, take her under surgery to remove the cysts, through the preaching of the word. Right through the preaching of the word, she puts her hand on her eye like this and she takes it down on one cyst sitting on the end of her finger. And she turns to her mum, shows her the cyst on the end of her finger, and her mum has a look and the other two are gone. I mean, one fell off on her finger, two just dissolved. That's, that's just how it should be. I mean, that's, that's what I'm after. I'm after, I, I do not apologize. I am after a healing revival. I do not make excuses for powerlessness. We need revival. We need a healing revival. I believe the Lord is looking for a generation that is going to be unapologetic and is going to rise up and just display the raw power of God because it's going to be His power that brings people to, to, uh, to that it's going to be His power that brings people to repentance. You know, I, I shared this testimony when I was here a few years ago. We think. That's why we're trying to sort out the dates. But, you know, the, the more that we understand who he is in us and who he is through us, who we are in him and who he is in us, the more we'll see by accident than what we ever tried to intend on doing. It says in Mark 6, I think it is, or it might be Mark 7, it says, that Jesus couldn't do many miracles in Nazareth except where he laid hands on a few. So therefore, the laying on of hands was, I believe, Jesus' secondary anointing. His first anointing was oneness with the Father. 
Right? The woman with the issue of blood touches the hem of Jesus' garment. Jesus didn't stop to heal her. She was already healed. Jesus stopped to get the testimony. He took time to get the testimony. And I, I, believe that, I believe that we're going to come into this season. I believe we're in this season. And it's something that, I've, that in my own life I've been practicing for a few years of like, how much more can we see if we just became so obsessed by Jesus of the one that lives in us, that the, at the cross the I became we, that we're one, that separation from God is an illusion for the life of the believer. How much more could we see? And uh, Japan is... Japan is one of the favorite countries I, I love going to. I'm going to go back again as soon as they sort out the COVID mess and they'll let people back in again and get rid of that junk. And I'm going to go back in there. And I've been in there, uh, I think I've been three times. I, I just, I love the Japanese people and I love going to Japan. And uh, we're uh, walking through, I'm taking the taxi to church one morning and the traffic was really busy and I'm with the pastor and and uh, the pastor says to me, we're going to just, we're going to get out of, he said, the traffic's, there's roadworks. And he said, let's get out and we'll just walk the last, you know, the last it was three or 400 meters. And I'm like, all right. And we're, we're walking down the middle of the financial district in Tokyo. If you've ever been to Tokyo, it's just, it's just massive. I mean, it's just so big. And we're walking through Tokyo and I, I generally try and fast 18 hours a day, not for spiritual reasons, just because it gives my body a break to recover from the amount of eating I do in the other six, <laughs> you know, just like to enjoy the, you know, it's just good for your body. And uh, so I, I wasn't, I didn't want to, I didn't want to eat. Well, I shouldn't be eating because I'm in the 18 hour window. So I fast from 6 p.m. until lunchtime the next day to 12 the next day. And, but because I'm all jet lagged, my body's around the wrong way. I'm just, I'm really hungry. Like, I'm really, really hungry because my body thinks it's dinner time, but it's breakfast time, and I want to, you know. And I'm walking down, and I, I walk past this coffee shop, and I'm so hungry. I, I go to look in the window to see if I can find some food in the, in the shop. And uh, it's, it's a coffee shop, and I love coffee. I'm a coffee snob. Right? I'm just, uh, yeah. Yeah, New South Wales. Anyone from New South Wales here? You don't know how to make coffee. <laughs> I had a really good one in Melbourne. It was like, it was the best coffee in Australia I've had. <laughs> and uh, so I look in this coffee shop and it's a, it's a, co it's a chain. I'm not going to tell you what chain it is because I don't want to knock a brand, but I will not drink their coffee. The shop's green. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I, look, I go to look in the, the window to see if I can see some food. I want their food, not their coffee. Their coffee sucks. You know? I, I, want, I want food and... I go up to the window to look in the, the window, but it's reflective glass, and I, I can't see a thing. And I, 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 um, so I come up really close to the window, like, like this. <laughs> you know, as you go like this on the, on the window. And I, I'm looking directly into the eyes of a, of a, of a woman sitting at the bar. <laughs> like, she's right there, like, right there, right? Now, I, I'm an introverted person, right? I, I really am. Not, not on the platform. I've kind of conquered that. But one-on-one, -on -one, I, you know, I find it very difficult sometimes to connect with. I've got no problem if you come talk to me, but I'm just kind of like, feel weird just walking up to a visitor and talking, you know? So, you know, for, for an introverted person, that's just like a nightmare. You, you know what I mean, you introverted people? I'm staring at this woman, right? And I'm thinking, and she's a white woman, right? A white woman in Japan, right? 
And uh, I, I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I'd, I'd hate her to think I'm checking her out, you know? Like staring at her, checking her out through the window. And I, I turned to the pastor, and the pastor can't see that. He can't see her because it's the reflective glass. Only I could see it, and I'm right on it. And I said, pastor, there's a, there's a woman on the other side. And he goes, so? And I'm like, no, pastor, like, I'm like 20 centimeters from her eyes. Like... <laughs> Eye to eye, like staring at her, and I'd hate her to think I'm checking her out, like I'm a married man, I'm a happily married man. And I said, I gotta go inside and fix that. And he goes, I'll, I'll come with you. And I'm like, he says, I translate for you. And I'm like, she ain't, she ain't Japanese. Like, she's a, she's a white woman. And not that that means she speaks English, right? And she could be, you know, Swedish or something, you know. And uh, so he goes, well, I come in anyway. And I walk, we, walk into the, we walk into the green shop and walk up, by, walk up behind this lady. And I tap this lady on the shoulder. And I'm like, hey, excuse, excuse me. And she turns around. And she goes, oh, wow. Huh. It's Chris Gore in the middle of Japan. <laughs> <laughs> now, for an introverted person, it's like, I'm ready to pray for the rapture. <laughs> I'm like, oh God, take me home because now she thinks Chris Gore's checking her out, you know? <laughs> and I'm like, how, 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 do you, how do you know me? And she goes, you know, she said, uh, I, I'm a New Zealander who lives in northern states, Australia. And uh, she said, and I came to Japan for a skiing holiday with my brother, but my brother broke his foot and he's in hospital and I'm in the green shop drinking coffee. I've got nothing to do all day every day and you walk past and check me out through the window, you know. <laughs> and I said, oh, yeah, sorry about that. I was looking for food. And she says, hey, um, can you pray for me? And I said, what, what do you need? And she said, I had six miscarriages in a row. She said, I just, I just want a baby. And I'm like, that's okay. I said, because babies are God's idea. I, I'm going to be very politically incorrect in a minute, and I just don't care, right? If you don't like it, too bad. Like, take it up with Jesus, right? I said, babies are God's idea. And she goes, yeah. And I said, because God himself said, go forward and multiply. Right? Now, I didn't say this to her. I said it to you. He didn't say go forward and subtract. Some of you got that. Some of you are like thinking about that. <laughs> I said, babies are God's idea. I said, it's going to be okay. I said, that's the last miscarriage. Go and conceive. I said, but you ain't going to get pregnant in the coffee shop. <laughs> I said, get out of here. And I said, here's my email address. I wait to hear the news. And I leave. So I go to church and we do the conference for the day. That's Saturday morning. Saturday night, late Saturday night, the, the pastor is uh, a, a very wealthy man, right? Very, very wealthy. Not from the church. He is, he's a self-made billionaire off his own financial adventures before he was a pastor. And he says to me, hey, tonight we're taking you to this, I'm taking you out for a treat because I know how much you enjoy good meat. And I'm like, all right. And he goes, hop in the car and we hop in this brand new Mercedes and he drives me right across Tokyo and pulls up in front of this, this uh, steakhouse, and as soon as I saw the sign on the door, I'm like, oh, revival. <laughs> like I, I knew what I was in for. 
I knew what I was in for when I saw the menu when a 100 gram steak was 600 US dollars, right? And he orders me a 200 gram, right? I'm like, oh, like, this is awesome. And it, was a, it is a six course meal and every course is steak, right? I mean, every course is steak done in a different way. It's like, it's true revival right there. And so we're sitting in this restaurant and he orders for me and the, and the waiter, the waiter brings out the steak and he sits the steak down in front of me and I'm like, you know, I'm not thinking about anything except steak. I just want to enjoy the steak. You know, it was hot, it was tender, it was like ice cream. I just wanted to eat the steak, right? And I hear the Lord say, would you, would you, ask, would you ask the waiter to join you in the giving thanks for the food? Now, I'm, I'm not an evangelist, right? I'm a steak eater. Right? And, but, you know, I, I will obey. Right? I, you know, I'm not out looking for, you know, I, he's never asked me to pray for someone in a restaurant. Right? And I'm too scared to do it again after what happened. And I, I reach up because I'm not an evangelist. I got it all around the wrong way. And I, and I reach up and I hold, the, I hold the man's hand. Right? We're just holding hands off the waiter. Right? And, and he looks at me as to say, like, why are you holding my hand? <laughs> Because right? I forgot to ask him, hey, can we say grace? Like, <laughs> I'm just holding hands, right? And he looks at me with this look of like, why, why are you holding my hand? And I should have replied, I'm from California, this is normal. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, oh, I'm sorry. I said, I just wondered if you'd mind joining, joining us in the giving thanks for the food. Now, Pastor Isaac's on my right, and there's a woman pastor on my left, and he's standing between the woman pastor and myself, right in that little gap right there on my left. And he goes, Hoi! <laughs> and I took that as a yes. <laughs> so I just begin to give, give thanks for the food. I, I want to pray real fast because I want to eat my steak. Right? And I, Father, thank you for this food. Thank you for this restaurant. Thank you for my waiter. And just pray your blessing be upon this. And I go to say, in Jesus' name, amen. And he starts pulling my arm. It wasn't me manifesting. I mean, my arm is just wildly shaking. He's just like, he's just jerking it like this. And, and I, I open up my eye to see what's happening. And he's convulsing. Like, he's just, he's wildly shaking. And he falls onto his knees and he flops on the floor. And he falls under the table. <laughs> And he's lying under the table and he starts wailing, like wailing, like so loud. I'm, I'm not an evangelist. I don't know what to do. Right? I honestly don't know what to do. So I thought, oh my gosh, this is wild. I mean, he's screaming on the floor and uh, the pastor's looking at me like, what did you do? You know? And so I, I thought, well, the best thing I can do is just say grace a little longer. So why I'm trying to work out what to do. So I say grace a little longer and I just, I'm extending grace. And I, I look at the pastor and I'm like, I, I couldn't talk because of pain, but I, I looked at him as if to say, like, is this normal in Japan? <laughs> and he gives me this look back like, you did it, you fix it. <laughs> right? And I'm like, you know, and, he, and he's, he's wailing on the ground, he's shaking, he's twitching under the floor, he's, he's crying. And, and I, so I'm like, gosh, what, what do you do? So he now gets up off the floor and he's kneeling next to me and he's sobbing 
like the whole the whole restaurant can hear it, right? I'm thinking, you're about to get fired, buddy, right? So I just tap him on the shoulder. I'm like, bless you, bless you, bless you, bless you. In other words, <laughs> move along. <laughs> I'm gonna eat my steak. My steak's going cold, you know, like. <laughs> and 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 he and he cries the whole way to the kitchen. You hear him. You hear him howling in the kitchen, right? And I'm like, oh gosh. So I turn to Pastor Isaac and I'm like, hey, what do I do now? And he goes, I don't know, but you better think quick because here he comes. <laughs> and he puts the pastor's steak down in front of the pastor. And I said, hey, my friend, um, did you need prayer? <laughs> and he goes, what I do? He doesn't, know I'm a, he doesn't know I'm a pastor. He knows nothing, right? He goes, I do. And I said, well, what do you need prayer for? He goes, my wife can't conceive. Six years of trying and we cannot conceive. He didn't say her. She can't. We can't. We can't conceive. Six years. And I said, oh, come, come here. And he comes down on my side to back where he was. And I said, babies are God's idea. And he goes, how do you know that? I said, I'll tell you why I know that. Because God's word says, go forward and multiply. God, God's looking for someone that's going to pray a bold prayer. I got a whole message on the boldness of prayer, but it's not the night for it. But he, he's looking for someone that will open their mouth. I think that in many cases, a miracle is just a decree away. He's looking for someone that's going to be bold enough to declare that heaven has no choice but to show up. And uh, so I didn't tell him all that. I'm just, you know, I'm like, she's going to conceive. She's going to conceive. I said, here's my email address. You let me know. And I said, but you know what? And he goes, I said, she ain't going to conceive while you're at work. I said, you get out of here and go home. And he walks me to the restaurant door and he goes, would you just hug me? And he puts his hands out and he starts wailing again, right? And I'm like, I'm just, I'm hugging him and he's just crying on my shoulder. And the whole restaurant's looking at the waiter crying on my shoulder. And I'm like, see you later. And I leave. Um, Ten months later, I'm in Salzburg, Austria. And I'd just preached at a, uh, at a Gothic Catholic church. Right? Catholics, any Catholics here, you're the easiest to get healed. Like, it's in your creed. I, I'm serious, it's in the creed. It's in the Catholic creed to believe in the miraculous. You don't need to ask a Catholic, like, do you believe? They're just like, yes. You tell the, ca the charismatic church, do you believe in Jesus? And they're like, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, they just, the Catholics just believe. So I'm speaking in this Gothic Catholic church, and we had a great night, and it was a late night, and I'm walking home, 2 o'clock in the morning, through the streets of Salzburg, and I, I stop, and I'm looking in, uh, I don't know if you have it here, United Colors Benton. It's like a high-end clothes store. And I'm, I'm standing there looking in the window at United Colors of Benetton, and there's this really cute baby puffer jacket with sleeves, no, no sleeves on it, and I'm thinking... Oh, gosh, I don't even have any grandkids yet. You know, I'm, maybe I could buy it in faith for my grandkids, you know. And right then, bing, I hear my, my pocket vibrates. And I, I pull my phone out and have a look at my phone. And it's the waiter. He says, last night, my little boy was born. With, with a photo. 
And he says, uh, and I, I, I texted him back and I said, well, I'm in Salzburg and I'm going to buy you a present. So I went back in the morning as soon as the shop opened and I bought him the puffer jacket and I bought him some boots and I said, I'm going to fly to Japan and give you a present. And so I flew to Japan to give the, give the man a present, to give the waiter a present. And when I landed in Japan, I turned on my cell phone. And the first email that downloads the wheels, as soon as they touch the ground, the first email that touches the ground is the Australian lady who said, last night, I gave birth to a baby girl. I, like, I'm watching this little boy. He's just, turned, he's just turned four. I'm watching this little boy grow up. I feel like I'm the godfather. You know, it's like... <laughs> Watching this little boy grow up on Facebook, it's so fun to see every birthday I get to celebrate with him and write happy birthday on the wall and, and love on this little Japanese boy. And so, so we're in uh, Port Stephens uh, the week before COVID, before, right before the shutdown, the closed down, uh, the lockdown, whatever you call it. And uh, we're in Port Stephens and, and I'm sharing these stories. And I come, I come down off the platform and I... And I, I, hold, I hold this lady's hand because there's a whole backstory to this, right? Which we don't have time to go into tonight. But there's been three or four hundred ladies that have either had issues, woman issues, or unable to conceive that have gone on to conceive and had their woman issues healed, right? And I come down off the platform and I, and I, hold, I hold this young lady's hand that's sitting on the front row. And I said, and Jesus, and Jesus said to the woman with the issue of blood, your faith has made you whole. Go into peace, right? It's, a, it's not a correct translation where it says go in peace. It should be go into peace, right? So go into peace and be made whole. As I was just like demonstrating with her, holding her hand and walk off. Well, I go, I'm in Newcastle two weeks ago, and I'm sitting in my hotel in Sydney, ready to go to Newcastle, and I get tagged in a Facebook post. And it's a video of that young lady. See, what I didn't know is that young lady had gone through polycystic ovarian syndrome and she was in the middle of cancer treatment for a polycystic ovarian syndrome. She had quite a large tumor uh, in her womb that needed to be removed and she's unable to conceive. And I, I didn't know any of this. I, had, I knew nothing about her until I saw the video and she said, and Pastor Chris was talking about the, the, the woman, the ladies that had been getting pregnant and, and you, know, you can see it on my Facebook. You can see a video on my Facebook. And he comes down off the platform and he holds my hand and she said, he doesn't know that I can't conceive and all as I want is a baby. She said, I went home and I got pregnant that night. <laughs> and so I was there just two weeks ago and I, I, got to meet, I got to meet her again and she's now since gone over COVID. <laughs> That's what COVID did, right? Babies. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing else to do, so she went on and had a, had another baby. So she's got a boy, a boy and a boy and a girl now. See, that's that that's what I believe should be the normal Christian life. I, I believe it's the it should be the normal expression of a believer's life to have answers to their prayers. The normal expression that when we pray, it doesn't say they might get healed; it said they shall get healed. And I, I believe the Lord is looking for someone that's just going to... I believe that the Lord is looking for someone that's going to stand on the justice of God. He, he's, a, he's a God of justice. That they're going to stand on the justice of God and stop tolerating sickness as if it's a blessing from the Lord. That he's, he's looking for someone that's going to stand and start judging sickness. 
I, I tell you, I, I, I don't know how to express what I'm feeling in my heart and what the Lord's done in my heart for the last three months, but it's like he's looking for someone. He's looking for a generation, and I do I do not believe, I do not believe that this next move of God is about the man of God. It's about the God of man. He's looking for sons and daughters. He's looking for the sons of resurrection that are going to rise up, that know whose they are and who they are, that they're going to be weapons of righteousness in God's hands that's going to destroy the works of the devil. It's going to be, it's going to be the signs of wonders that are going to bring people to repentance. See, I haven't started preaching yet. I just wanted to share. I just wanted to share something there. I, I want. I want you to turn with me to the book of uh, the book of Mark. It's just. This is a message that's been sitting on my heart for about for about a year, and uh, I just. I, I love sharing this message. And uh, it's, uh, I don't get to share it everywhere I go, but I just love this message. It said, and they came to the other, uh, did I say Mark 5? Okay, Mark 5, verse 1. And they came to the other side of the sea, and when they came out of the boat, immediately there met a man out of the tombs, a man who had an unclean spirit, who had his dwelling among the tombs, and no one can bind him, and not even in chains, because he'd been bound with shackles and chains, and the chains had been pulled apart, and the shackles broken in pieces, and neither could anybody tame him. And always night and day he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying out, cutting himself with stones. And when Jesus came from afar, he ran and he worshipped him. I want to paint a picture. He ran and he worshipped him. There is nothing, there is nothing that can stop you worshipping Jesus. There is no premiere that can stop you worshipping Jesus. There is no lockdown that can stop you worshipping Jesus. There is no prime minister that can stop you worshipping Jesus. There is nothing that can stop us worshipping Jesus. Nothing. It doesn't matter if you're locked up in your home for 104 weeks or whatever it is. There is nothing that can stop us worshipping Jesus. And so I want to paint this picture. We have this demoniac. Now, I believe he's naked. Right? I know the word doesn't say that, but it does say in the end that he's found clothed, right? So we can only assume he's naked. So we've got this demoniac man who lives in the tombstones, around the tombstones, and he howls at the moon and he cuts himself with stones and they can't bind him. Every time they put shackles on him, he, he, smashes, he smashes these stones, uh, the, the, uh, the, the, the chains off. And <clears throat> I just, just imagine this man, right? He, he's probably looking in your window at night. I mean, he's probably terrorizing, he's terrorizing that neighborhood. I mean, he is just, this man is a crazy man. And the Bible tells us that he sees Jesus and he runs and he worships Jesus. And with a loud voice, he cries out, What do I have to do with you, son of the Most High? I implore you that you do not torment me. I implore you, you do not torment me. Now, here's my point I want to make on this, is that the devil is not the tormentor. The devil is not the tormentor. A believer that knows who they are is the tormentor. The devil is the tormented. He says to Jesus himself, I implore you by the name of God that you do not torment me. I think for too long we've like, oh, the devil's tormenting me. 
It's like, no, no, we've got it all wrong. The devil's the tormentor, tormented. We, as believers, are the tormentor. We've got a job to do. I, I just love tormenting the devil. I, I love it. I really do. I love tormenting the devil. And do you know how, this is another whole message, which I'm not going to go into. Do you know how we're going to, you know how we torment the devil? By staying in peace, regardless of what you face. Oh, I got a bad report from the doctor. It's like, no, no, you're acting like you're the tormented. You stay in peace, you have the ability to torment the devil. He wants to steal your peace. If he can't steal your peace, he's the one that's tormented. You are the tormentor. I just love tormenting the devil. It's not that I don't have trials. I've got trials. I've got a very sick girl at home right now. It's like I do not like being away when my girl's sick. She's been vomiting all night, and now my wife's vomiting. And it's like, and I'm away, and she can't look after her, and she needs help, and I'm here preaching, and I'm like, you know what? It's not stealing my peace. He, he, he's so low. The enemy's so low that he has to pick on the vulnerable. It's like he's, he, is, he is so tormented. He is so tormented. And then and Jesus says to him, come out of that unclean, come out you unclean spirit. And he says, what is your name? And the man answered, my name is Legion for we are many. And they begged him earnestly that they would not send him out of the country. And now a large herd of uh, swine were feeding near, near the mountain. And the, and the demons begged him saying, send us into that swine that we may, where we may enter them. And at once Jesus gave them the permission and the unclean spirit went out and he entered the swine and there were about 2,000 and the herd ran violently down the steep uh, place into the sea and they, drowned into the, and they drowned in the sea. And those who fed the swine, I'm sorry, those who, so those that fed the swine and they were told in the city, in the country, and they went out to see what had happened. And when Jesus saw them and they saw the one Oh, sorry, they came to Jesus and they saw the one who had been demon-possessed and the legion sitting and clothed in his right mind. Now, let's go back to the picture. We've got this demoniac who's naked. We've got this demoniac that's howling at the moon, can't shackle him, cutting himself with stones, peeking in your windows at night. I mean, this guy, I made that piece up. <laughs> that's not biblical for those that are... Wanted to call me a heretic. He's, he's acting like a demoniac. He runs and he worships Jesus and Jesus sets him free. And then it says this. This is just, this, this so gets me. And he's found, uh, he's found sitting and clothed in his right mind. He has one encounter with Jesus and he's found sitting and clothed in his right mind. Now, I love reading between the lines. Right? It's not adding to the Bible. It's just being creative of what I think's missing. He's found sitting and clothed in his right mind. I think he was naked if he's suddenly clothed. Where did he get his clothes? Do you think he had time to pop down to Coles? I don't think you buy clothes at Coles, right? I don't, I don't know. Woolworths, wherever you buy clothes here. Where do you buy clothes? Target. I, Gucci. 
He's sitting, found, sitting and clothed in his right mind. I'd like to propose to you that he was naked and he's instantly clothed with an apostolic mandate to go heal the sick. That Jesus dresses him with an apostolic mandate and he says, now you go tell your friends of what you've seen and do the same. Go heal the sick. Go plant a church. Go do something. Go shake this world for Jesus. But here's, this is the piece that, that really gets me. He said, so we've got this demoniac. He's crazy. Next thing he has this encounter with Jesus and he's found sitting and clothed in his right mind. And then it says this. And the people were afraid. I want you to think about this. They're not afraid when he's peeking in your window at night. <laughs> cutting himself, standing naked, running around, howling at the moon and doing things that demoniacs do. But they are afraid when he's got clothes on and in his right mind. And it is time for this world to begin to fear God because of his goodness. I, I, feel, I feel very, very strongly on this point. I feel very strongly that the, that the world, the church, has lost the fear of God. We've lost the fear of God. The fear of God just seems so absent from some churches that they wouldn't even know if God walked in. I, I, tell you, I, I, I cannot go to church any longer to put the tick in the box. I am not interested. I want to go to church to encounter Jesus. I don't want to go to church to hear a TED talk. My question to you tonight is, how obsessed are you by Jesus? How obsessed are you? Because this demoniac was possessed by an evil spirit. He is possessed. And scholars tell us, Today, if you study this verse out, scholars tell us that the demoniac's influence, he had influence over two, uh, 10 cities and two regions. That he had that powerful of an influence of demonic possession upon his life, that he had influence over two, two regions and 10 cities. My point is this. How many more cities and regions can we have influence over if we became obsessed by Jesus? I'm talking about being obsessed by Jesus. Because I'm not interested in doing church. For the sake of doing church. I was looking for a word that wasn't coming to my head. <laughs> I'm not interested in putting the tick in the box to say, well, I've been to church on Sunday. I'm a good boy. But the religious tick. It's like, I'm after one thing. To be, I'm sorry, some of you are going to find this offensive. When, when, I wrote, when I wrote Apprehended Identity, I wrote about this in the book. And, and they made me edit it. Because I put, how possessed are you by Jesus? And they're like, oh, you can't write that. It means an evil spirit. You need to write obsessed. Now that it says obsessed, but because my editor's not here, how possessed are you? 
How persist, how persist are we by Jesus? How hungry are we for a healing move of the Holy Spirit to sweep through this country? Because God, I, I tell you, God is not looking for a majority. He's just looking for one that believes he is who he says he is. He's just looking for one. He's, he's looking for one that would stop blaming God. He's looking for one. The Bible says in Mark 11, it says that faith is. It says the evidence of the things not seen. He's not looking for someone that's going to pray for somebody. And it's like they pray and it's like, well, it didn't work. I'm not doing it anymore. That, that's not a person of faith. And a person of faith is not determined by the amount of fruit that someone sees. Oh, well, they see so many people healed. They're a person of faith. That's not what Mark 11 says. Mark 11 says that faith is the evidence of things not seen. Faith is somebody that gets knocked down and they stand back up and they say, I'm not changing who Jesus is. I may have not seen what I wanted to see, but it doesn't change who my father is. He is still the healer. He is still the provider. He is still the deliverer. He is still the restorer. He is, he's looking for a generation that will not bend on the nature of the father. See, if you want to know what the father looks like, which we all do, I want to know what the father's like. If we want to know what the Father's like, I, I'm not angry. I'm just so passionate. I feel so stirred in my heart for this country. When, when I say this country, I'm talking Anzacs. I, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to taper off all my international travel to, just to focus on New Zealand and Australia. Because we need revival. And I decided I'm not waiting for it. I'm going to have it. Because revival starts right here. It starts right here. And each one of us is a personal choice of like, I'm going to burn. I'm going to be obsessed by Jesus. I'm going to talk Jesus. I'm going to drink Jesus. I'm going to eat Jesus. I'm going to read Jesus. Jesus is going to be on my lips when I go to bed. And Jesus is going to be on my lips when I wake up. I woke up this morning, went immediately to YouTube and, and played that song. The name, uh, I, Jesus in the Streets. I forgot the name. I forgot the name of the song. I speak Jesus. I speak Jesus and I'm just, I'm laying in bed thinking, Jesus, we need Jesus in the streets. He's looking. And then, and then a great friend of mine, he texted me like in the middle of the song. This is, this is my friend that was raised from the dead. He woke up in a morgue. Checked himself out and walked out. <laughs> 1983, he was raised from the dead. Some of you know him. His name's Emma Cormack. The jellyfish man. Very good friend of mine. Very, very close to me. He lives in New Zealand, just not too far away. I'm going to go see him in a couple of weeks. I'm going to go fishing. He loves to fish. He loves to kill fish like me. <laughs> he, he texted me to say, Happy Father's Day. And then he texted me, Habakkuk 2, verse 14. For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. And I texted him back and said, that's the sons of resurrection. 
And he said, Amen. He's looking for sons. He's looking for daughters of resurrection. He's looking for people that don't want to go to church just to put the ticket in the box. He's looking for people that would say, Father, would you obsess me afresh? I want us to stand. Would you stand? We got come in the worship team join me. I want you to, I want you to, if that is, if that is your cry tonight, where you, you, your cry would be, Father, like, it's my cry. It's not, it's not a one-off cry. It's a daily cry. Father, I need you. I, I know I've already got him. I know that. But it's like, Father, I need you. I, I need you. It's like, Father, like, every morning, it's like, Lord, I, I, I just want to be that that living sacrifice that puts myself back on that altar to say Lord would you would you use me today would you burn in me today would you would you come and possess me afresh again today Lord would you fill me I tell you the, the infilling of the Holy Spirit was never meant as a one-off event it is an hourly event like it's Lord would you fill me now I, I tell you there there is not many places in scripture when a where the father's in a hurry. But I found two. When he wants his kids back, because he ran to the son. He ran to that prodigal son. And the other one is where he wants to fill his kids because he came into that room like a mighty rushing wind. If that's your cry, I want you to lift your hands across this room. sell real estate yes I thought about it I was having a pity party I've come back to New Zealand because it's time to see the sons and the daughters of resurrection arise over this nation when I say this nation I mean our our nations I'm trying to turn 80% of my attention to New Zealand and Australia I'm not interested in, well, no, that doesn't sound quite right. It's it's, it's not, I I just don't want healing to be a pulpit ministry anymore. It's not about the man of God. It's about, I feel like I'm in a season. I feel like I've got a 20-year season of ministry ahead of me where my whole emphasis is about raising sons and daughters of resurrection. That we would cover the earth like water covers, like the water would cover this earth. Habakkuk chapter 2, that we would see the most amazing, miraculous miracles that the world is going to begin to fear God because of His goodness. And when when I talk about fear of God, I'm not talking about like I'm scared of God because He's going to hit me. I'm talking about the fear of God, of of the awe and the wonder and the magnitude and the magnificence. Just the just being lost and like, Father, you're so good. See, our, our faith can only extend to the understanding of His goodness anyway. How good do you think He is? 
See, if you want to know what the Father's like, you just need to look at the person of Jesus. Because Hebrews 1.3 says, He is the exact representation of the Father. And when we look at the person of Jesus, we never see where He blessed a hurricane, welcomed an earthquake. We never see where He put sickness upon someone to teach them character. What we do see is every storm He came to, He calmed. And every sick person that came to Him, He healed. Every funeral He went to, He messed it up. Including His own. Come on, let's lift our hands across this room. And you ask Him and your words as the team begins to minister. You ask Him to come and fill you afresh, to obsess you, to possess you, to fill you afresh with the Spirit of God. Come on, let's begin to cry out for the Lord. Let's cry out to the God. Just worship Him. Put Jesus on your lips.